Hello, and welcome to episode 28 of the Van Life Lab podcast, where every week we talk about the trials and joys of van life. This week we are doing just that, discussing things you may have been misled to believe in an episode of Hot Takes. So I have Colby and Kayla here with me today, my two co-hosts. We have no new reviews to read, but where are we coming to people from today? Hey, everyone. I am coming to you all from Oaxaca, Mexico. Um, Saga the Van is currently in the shop with an EGR um, sticky, sticking valve, but it seems like it's going to get cleaned up and I should be getting her back tomorrow and I'll be back on the road and heading north in a couple days. Where are you guys at? Woohoo. We are coming to you guys from Chugiak, Alaska, house sitting um, for two and a half weeks at the most beautiful log cabin, hand built log cabin in the woods. It is absolutely incredible and we are loving it. It's a quarter mile from the trailhead. Mm-hmm. I can go running up uh, up like a 3,000 foot mountain it's crazy. right out there door, Mount Yuklutna. You get on this beautiful ridge line. And we're pet sitting this uh, beautiful, like, polar bear white Samoyan, Samoyan yeah. dog. <laughs> and Juniper's just been having a ball. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, house life. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's funny how we, we kind of always end up where it seems like both of us are in houses at the same time. Yeah. I, I was just thinking that, too. We're doing the house life. And we're going to converge in the same state soon too, which is going to be crazy to our crazy. listeners. Oh my gosh. We should do an episode together. When we're yeah, together. We oh my God. Mic. Yeah. Shit, one mic. Whoa. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait. Yeah. So give us like a month or so and we'll be in the same place for once and then we'll probably diverge, but yeah. Yeah. It might be our, might be our last episode together. Oh, I forgot for a second. Yeah. That would be a good finale, actually. We should do I that. think it would be. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Note uh, to self. So, Kayla, you have the first hot take. What uh, What have people been misled about? Yeah. So, um, just to catch people up on the format of this. So, this is a format that I used to do on the Canine Conversations podcast, where we would have hot takes in the dog training world. Since there's three of us, we're going to do one minute each. So yeah, each of us will do one minute kind of sharing our thoughts on something. And the first hot take that I have is that building a successful YouTube channel is a way more work than you actually want to do. So my one minute timer has now started. And yeah, basically exactly what I said. I tried pretty hard with the YouTube thing for a couple months when I was doing my solo Arctic road trip and I was filming almost every single day. I was thinking about the storylines. I was editing. And even these like six or seven minute videos that I was putting up, I was putting up really short YouTube videos because I was kind of hoping that might be a niche. Turns out, A, I was wrong about the niche. And still like six or seven minutes, it was like an hour to edit these things. Um, And then as soon as I started heading south and I started heading um, kind of pickups, as far as um, being self-conscious about filming in person, which was not a problem I had in Alaska and Canada, um, or, you know, I had a computer issues for a couple weeks and then I like felt behind on filming. And then once I got behind on editing, I just, I, I totally fell off the train and it was just so much more work than you think to be filming all the time. And especially if you're in kind of urban areas where you're filming in front of people, it's a lot of self-consciousness and that's my minute. All right, you go first. Yeah, definitely harder than I think a lot of people give these people credit for. The the successful YouTubers that that we know put their heart and souls into it. And 
seems like they don't even all do it strictly for the monetization. They truly have mm -hmm. that, that passion where it dictates really their whole lives and everything they do. Everything they do revolves around just making really clean, fun, entertaining, engaging content. You know, it's, it's not the path we went down. I think I've put together a couple YouTube videos uh, and, and they're not the uh, all about my life type of videos that are going to get millions of views. They're more like educational. So the editing is a lot easier. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, successful YouTube channel, definitely hard. Uh, if, if you're thinking about it, you better be, be prepared for, for the, the time commitment it entails. I don't really have much to add because I completely agree. I've said many times to Eric, like I've loved the way we've built our blog and Instagram. It's, it works for us. It's what we like to do. And people don't really care about us. They care about our knowledge. And there have been so many times where we've been like out in Alaska or in Colorado that I'm just so thankful that I don't need to be recording hangouts or our skiing or anything like that. And, you know, we've hung out with people who, who do have to do that. And everything seems to take Kayla, like you were saying, like two times, three times longer, mm -hmm. you know, cause you got to prep for the shot. You got to get places early to take the shot and construct, you know, these storylines. And I just love that we don't have to do that. So I completely agree. I actually feel really blessed that we don't have to, because it yeah. makes us able to actually immerse ourselves yeah. in the experience itself Absolutely. and appreciate and take in the experience and not mm -hmm. have to and clutter our minds with having to capture the experience yeah so i guess kudos to anyone who who does that because it's a lot of work all right yeah. hot take number two i'm super excited about this one my hot take is that digging cat holes to go number two is actually the best way to go to the bathroom <laughs> all right let's hear and, it <laughs> yeah i'm actually curious to, to hear if you guys agree but i guess my one minute spiel is one it's an ergonomics thing I just feel like when you squat like that, and I'm pretty sure there's science behind it, it just, it always just happens quickly and easily and just, mm -hmm. just move on. And then also it's tends to be a really clean, like when we go to the bathroom in our onboard composting toilet, it's a whole thing. Like you got to bag the toilet paper up and, and agitate it and, and wipe everything down. Whereas like when you go in the woods, you dig your hole. Yeah. You still put your TP in a bag, but cover it up, walk away. It's just, it's amazing. And then the view is also usually pretty cool. <laughs> I have to add. So that's my vouching for, for cat holes. Yeah. I don't have much. I mean, I don't have an onboard toilet. So my option is, yeah. um, Public bathrooms, which are fine. Um, I'm, I don't have any problems with them. But uh, Or a cat <laughs> hole or pooping in a bag, which, God, I had food poisoning um, around this time yep. last week. And I um, single-handedly, like, in two days, doubled my number of bag poops. Um, it was a real bummer. Oh, no. Yeah, it was really bad. I, luckily, I wasn't vomiting. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think, I think I agree. As far as van stuff, the only caveat I would have is, like, depending on where you are, and sometimes it can be challenging to dig that hole or find a good spot that is, like, private yeah. and appropriate – those are the times where I don't like it. But otherwise, yeah, it's it's my preferred option compared to um, particularly true. in my van, any of my other options. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right, Eric. All right. So I totally agree with the sentiment. The only caveat I would add is in those environments where it's not LNT friendly to uh, 
yeah to dig a cat hole outside i like to bring our whole cuddy composting toilet mm. outside the van and just set it up and it's got to be tilted <laughs> ever so slightly back it's uh tilted forward oh, so, so like ugh. the seat lid kind of falls back on your back yeah so you got to make sure you find the right spot that's like ever so slightly tilted backwards and then and then it's like just as good as that's true going in the cat hole so I guess the point is like outside is best. Yes. Outside, when you live in a van. Outside is definitely best. You have like room to move around. Yeah. Again, yeah, even, it's with, relaxing. even with our composting toilet, we're bagging our, our teepee. So no different than outside. Okay. Yeah. All right, Eric. All right. Mine is that any van, no matter how souped up it is, uh, lift kits, shocks, you know, sway bars, whatever you do to your axles, they're really never going to be more off-road capable than just like a stock truck off a lot. Like if you, you go and get like a, mm. an F-150 or something. I think people put a lot of work into making their vans ultra off-road ready with snorkels. And they think they're going to be doing all <laughs> this like really crazy off-road stuff. And they will invest thousands of dollars, you know, 10, 15, $20,000 on all these like aftermarket upgrades when... If we're being honest, 99% of van lifers are barely going to go off-road, mm-hmm. much less actually need all those sorts of upgrades. <laughs> so it's yeah. just kind of a, a, a money wave, I think. It's like a... Uh... Yeah. It's a showy thing. Yeah. I think... Are you done before I continue? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. I think there's a couple things there. Like, you can do those things, like you're saying, but always in the back of your mind with a van is like, okay, but this is my house. Like, do I really want to put my, my house through this river? (laughs) And you know, you might have a snorkel, but okay. What if water gets in your heater? Like that happened to us or like anything below your van or like, yeah, you can make them off-road capable, but do you want to bring your cabinets and, everything just shaking down that off-road thing. Uh-huh. So I think I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, I, I, I don't really know if I have much to add. I, I've definitely taken Saga some places that <laughs> I don't know if she should have gone. And, <laughs> you know, we, and she's a stock 17 year old sprinter and she gets some, she gets us places, but a lot of that is, you know, just <laughs> being careful and slow and, Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think usually my concern is more like, do I want to be putting my house through this? Not so much is the van capable of this. And yeah, mm-hmm. if I had the option to be swapping into a different vehicle, whether that be a truck or a Subaru or mm-hmm. even my Prius, I'm usually happier taking that than my van. Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Anyway, so uh, I think if you're like really wanting to do that off road things, like maybe look at a truck camper. Mm-hmm. Or like, or I don't know, a box truck, maybe. Probably a truck camper. Was yeah. The, the sentiment. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm looking at getting. If I go and finish the southern half of the Pan American Highway when I'm done with my PhD, I'm thinking truck camper is going to be the way I go. Mm-hmm. So I'll report back to you in seven years on that one. <laughs> How they <laughs> compare? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone, mark your calendars. I'll graduate in 2028. And oh uh, maybe we'll be doing Patagonia in a truck camper 2029. Dude, awesome. I hope so. Oh, my God. Me too. All right, Colby, what's next? Oh, no, it's me next. Kayla, yeah, Kayla. Kayla what do you got next? Okay, um, this is a really funny hot take given my profession. But um, van cats are better than van dogs. 
cats, you can leave them unattended uh, if <laughs> uh, if you need to for hours at a time. They are a little bit more discreet, but also can be great conversation starters if you choose to take them out. Um, yeah, overall, you know, you get the cuddles, you get the attention, you get the company, but you don't have as big of an animal. You don't have as much mess. And um, you don't have to worry about taking them out and pottying them and kind of ruining your stealth camping. Um, you don't have to worry about them barking at campsites. I will say I'm already thinking of all the reasons that I'm wrong in that um, they don't help protect your van. They don't bark at people if you want people to go away. Um, and potentially being at group campsites, having being the one person with a cat when a bunch of other people have dogs could be really challenging. So, you know, uh, it's it's a hot take because it's controversial. I, I do really, really love living with Norbert in the van. And I think there's a lot of pluses that people should consider. But um, yeah, I, I'm not 100% solid on this hot take anyway. Mm -hmm. All right. On a purely suited to the van, I will give you that. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think you're going to sway a person who's already a dog person to no. go with a cat. True. I think you're just going to stroke yeah. the ego of uh, cat people who... <laughs> <laughs> who want to bring the cat into their van or like get a cat in while they're already living in the van or, or want a pet and they're trying to decide yes because uh, <laughs> juniper is the cutest okay yeah juniper is the cutest i'm sorry juniper eats norbert on the cuteness oh, the... <laughs> i don't know Have you, you haven't gotten face? to scratch norbert's chin yet <laughs> and watch him make yeah, but... watch him make biscuits Juniper's oh sleeping right now at my feet. Yeah. On your feet. Yeah, yes. Norbert is a terrorist, and I did just have to mute myself and run away to let him outside because he's screaming Stop about that. wanting to murder geckos. Yep. So, yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yep. I love it. You know, it's funny you, you brought this one up because I was just watching. I feel like people, a lot of people who have cats love to do the like, here's a day in the life of my cat in my van, like from the cat's perspective. Uh -huh. so we'll call them adventure cats. Yes, yes. And honestly, I've been watching them more than usual. I usually <laughs> scroll past them. And I've been like, damn, this is really easy compared to, you know, yeah. maybe my my baseline is literally raising a puppy at the moment in a van. So maybe I'm just a little bit envious of these reels that I'm watching. But it does seem easier. Like a lot of the things that I worry about with Juniper, like when we leave, are her getting stuck in weird places and cats love weird places and they always get out of them more so than a dog does. Mm -hmm. They don't go to the, or they do go to the bathroom, but they're supposed to go to the bathroom and they know where to go to the bathroom. Whereas like Juniper goes to the bathroom. Actually, she hasn't had any accidents in the van, but if she was like, it would be on our nice floor or our nice bed. And that's just not a thing with cats. And I could go on and on, but I, I actually, I think I agree with this, though I've yeah. never had a, a cat, so. Yeah, we're always in the juniper's bladder and bowels and when she needs to be let out. Our life yeah. revolves around her. It really does. Yeah, yeah. And I think the last thing I'll throw in is, like, again, I'm arguing against myself here, but it is very cat dependent. Um, I, I think you are a little bit more, like, if you just kind of, like, pull a random dog and a random cat out of the shelter, there's a good chance that both of them are going to struggle with van life, but you statistically speaking might be a little bit better off with like a random dog mm -hmm. versus random cat. Like so many cats do have bad experiences in the car. That would be okay. really hard to counteract or something like that. So finding the right cat might be, might be a big challenge here, but anyway, you know, it's a hot take. Um, okay. Colby. It okay. It's fun. Okay. So I think this will be good. Nobody actually converts a convertible bed twice a day 
And I guess a little bit of background on this. When you build a van, you have two options. A permanently fixed bed, meaning your entire bed is fixed and you can hop in it whenever. Or a bed that requires setting up and taking down and like converts into a dinette or a couch or something like that. Mm -hmm. And as people who have had vans with both setups, it is our experience that converting the bed just adds things to your life that you do not need therefore you avoid it when possible and we know a couple people actually who I think everyone we know with a convertible bed literally either leaves it in bed mode all the time actually yeah I think that's what they do they leave it in bed mode all the time or they'll convert it like twice a week and right before we started recording we were talking about how van life adds extra steps to things that don't need extra steps added to them and anytime an extra step is added it deters you from doing that thing so yes. I think that happens with beds. What do you guys think? Oh, 100%. Yeah, it was true with us in van one. Mm-hmm. And that's why we built one of the reasons we built van two. And yeah, everybody we know that has a convertible bed uh, admits to us in private that it's just in bed mode all the time. I think people like the allure of yes having so much space to host a gathering with like six people or eight people. And maybe when they do have a bunch of people over, they'll convert it. It is cool. Yeah. But still 80% of the time, 90% of the time, they're just in their van alone and they leave it in, as a bed. Because I think one of the things you don't realize in a van is if you if you do the convertible bed thing, you also lose all that storage. Like underneath our bed, mm. because we don't have a dinette there, is all of our crap. Like literally yeah. bins and bins. Like where does that go if you're converting your bed every day? I didn't even think of that part. I Uh have never had a convertible bed. I never really considered having one. I mean, Saga was the second van I looked at and I bought her. And the other van that I looked at was actually a box truck that had a stable bed. Uh, And that box truck is a little bit of the one that got away sometimes, especially with Saga's ongoing (laughs) stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a converted U-Haul. It had a shower and like a like a stand-up fridge. It wasn't like a full-size fridge. I digress. Um, but yeah, the whenever I watch videos of the convertible beds, um, even and honestly, it's almost worse when they're like the fancy hydraulic ones. I'm just looking at that. I'm like, no way. I'm never doing that. Like maybe for a weekender sort of van or like a spring break sort of van where you're carrying a lot less stuff and you want to, you know, be able to like play cards at night or something before you go to bed. And it's kind of a vacation thing, maybe, but otherwise, no, I have, I have no interest in a convertible bed. (laughs) I have a really funny story about that. We have a friend who, um, his bed was on lifts like that hydraulic lifts and it was winter and he left his van at the airport and he came back and the batteries were dead because that happens and he couldn't get his bed down from the ceiling because it's electric <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. did he just have to sleep, sleep on, the on the floor until he charged uh-huh. up yeah oh yeah. man <laughs> i hope you have a sleeping bag <laughs> yeah, yeah so yeah points of failure I do like your points, though, of I guess our perspectives, the three of us are all from full timers. Yeah. And I could see if I was a weekender with less things and it was more of like a joyful experience all the time, maybe the extra room would be nice in the convertible bed. If you have kids coming along. Yeah, I can see see that. That's a good point. 
Yeah. Right, Eric. All right. Next one, though. My hot take is that everybody should wor be working with extruded aluminum in their builds, at least in some places. <laughs> aluminum builds are the land cruisers of fan builds and that they will <laughs> outlast your chassis. True. Uh, growing up, we had a land cruiser, and I think it finally bit the dust at like 315,000 miles on it. Wow. So, and, and, and you look it up, land cruisers... Uh, the average age of them are like far and away longer, longer lifespans than any other build a car out there. So having a, an extruded aluminum build is going to be the same way. Doesn't rot, doesn't warp, you know, however many bumps you take it down, they're not going to you know degrade or squeak. Uh, it's just a super solid building material with it. So, just do your bed system with it. Upper cabinets would be the next thing. You don't have to do the, you know, the full galley or shower or whatever shoe storage that we did, but do the bed system, do the upper cabinets. Uh, those are the big things. Yeah, I completely agree. I don't have much to add because I'm obsessed with it. Um, yeah, I, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't do it because I didn't build my van, but yeah, nothing to add. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm convinced if I ever do build a van, that's what I'll be doing. I love that. I think like even on top of building with extruded aluminum, what I've realized looking at other builds too is like by building with extruded aluminum, I think we've talked about this. It forces you to do things right. Mm -hmm. Like things are anchored with every single thing is bolted into the wall and the finishings are all done right and like square and all of those things. So I think it's just a domino effect of like choose your bones right and it, you'll be thankful five, ten years later. Yeah, yeah, there is no, I missed a little bit with this screw. Let's just yeah. hope it holds. Yeah, we don't have a single mm -hmm. screw in this van. I don't, I haven't seen a screw in years. We, we got a few, but what? yeah, I can probably count on, Where? Oh, on my that. fingers and yeah. toes. Remote control. Yeah. How many? Wow. Yeah. Okay. So my next one is that nobody wants to hear you talk about your adventures on a podcast, um, <laughs> which is obviously, it's something we talked about when we were starting this podcast is... I think if you're an excellent storyteller and do live a truly interesting life, but really it's about storytelling skill more than anything else, you can be successful, you know, whether it's podcasting or YouTube or whatever, obviously people do succeed with that. But I think most people, if you are not um, really practiced in the art of storytelling and have great chemistry with your co-hosts and those sorts of things, it's just unlikely to succeed. I just kind of like personally when I listen to people talk about it it comes off as bragging or like I'm just like okay that's that's cool that you got to do that but you know I, why would I want to spend an hour of my life listening to your adventures I want stuff that's useful and actionable and again that's what we were talking about when we started this podcast and we do love sharing stories as much as anybody else and um you know I think that has its time and place but just starting a podcast you talk about your stories and adventures is unlikely to succeed. It's a fairly specific niche, so I'll agree in principle. Probably one of my favorite YouTubers, she uh, describes all of her adventures, but through stories. And she does a really amazing job letting us glean information from her adventures. So she's telling the story of her adventures, but you're getting valuable information along the way. Maybe in podcast audio, a little different but yeah people generally come because they want to uh, learn 
something. Yeah, I feel like YouTube is different than podcasts too. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people watch YouTube for stories and movies, whereas I think I turn on my podcast app to to be a better person. Like yeah. I'm just learn things. And I just, I think all of my favorite podcasts are like Huberman Lab, which is, you know, all actionable stuff and Almost 30, which is all like growing as a woman and stuff like that. I definitely find myself going to YouTube for those stories. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I listen to any podcasts that are just stories or adventures. So maybe this is a blind spot of mine, but no, I mean, I would listen to... You know, and I, I wish that I had the wherewithal to have done this while I was doing this trip. I would love listening to, you know, a podcast of someone who's doing the Pan American Highway and interviewing people and doing mm-hmm. site visits and getting the history and getting the culture and recommending places, you know, doing like really in-depth kind of travel reporting or something like that. But that it's still different from like, I just don't mm-hmm. care to hear someone like talk about yeah. their surfing day. Unless, you know, they're talking about like pro tips for finding the perfect wave in El Salvador, you know, like it just, it has to be actionable <laughs> to me. Um, I don't mm-hmm. want to just hear people sharing stories, but like sick wave, bro. Like, no, I don't care. Yeah. So, okay. That's enough okay. on that. All right. We're, we're, we're big enough to be giving podcast advice now, guys. So, so take our <laughs> podcast advice. Yeah. Yeah. We're the, we're the real pros now. Yeah. So don't worry about it. All right. <laughs> All right. You. All right. Colby, what do you um, got? Okay. It had to come out at some point. So mine is Starlink is not your answer as a van lifer. And I could talk forever about this. So I will distill it down to Starlink definitely has its use cases and is a cool technology that is developing. However, if you are working a job that requires constant internet connection and reliable internet connection all over no matter where you are it's just not going to work yet and all of the influencers and things things and people you see on instagram talking about how wonderful it is literally are just browsing and uploading to social media which yes you can do on starlink but if you have like work to get done it's not gonna work you need to use probably an antenna like we do yeah, I think you hit it on the head, Colby. The only thing I will add is that for people that already have a van and aren't building one or the other into Ooh. into a into a van that they're they're planning, it's probably easier to add a Starlink dish or at least the the regular Starlink dish that we had, not the big high performance one that's like twenty five hundred bucks and permanently mounted. The one that you just like set out on the ground is a probably an easier like just plug-in solution just because you don't need to like drill a hole through the roof and mount anything mm. and but route a bunch of cables through. I feel like that's an easier quick fix. So quick like, fix, yes. do you really want to spend 30 minutes setting your internet up every day? You know, like I feel like if, sorry, I can go on. No, I'd probably just spend a, a day, half, half day or a day installing the antenna. Yeah. And seriously. Getting the router. And price wise, it'll work out to be it's about gonna, the same. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, people ask me all the time if, why I don't have Starlink or, you know, yeah, if I had considered it. And part of it for me has been when I first started on this trip, there wasn't great coverage throughout most of Central America. Um, Mm. So it just really wasn't worth it. And then, you know, I don't tend to be out in the Southwest where I have great unobscured views of the sky 
And yeah, it just didn't seem like it was going to solve my problems. And sometimes I wish that I had enough disposable income that I had it as a backup because there probably would yeah. be a couple times where it would have saved my butt um, with Wi-Fi um, or with service um, because I have a much less robust system than you guys do. But I don't have enough disposable income that it feels worth it for the rather mm-hmm. small amount of time that it would have mm-hmm. saved me. Yeah, I can definitely attest to that. It's, I mean, a couple times it has saved, I mean, what, maybe I can count on one hand how many times it has saved us. And, you know, because of our blog, we we felt like we should invest in it because people do look to us for that information. So we're really glad we have it. Mm -hmm. However, sometimes it's like we're carting around this big freaking box to use once a month and pay for, (laughs) you know. Yeah, how much is it a month? 150 now. Okay. I should turn it off. I'm going to turn it off. Yeah. We were just talking to somebody the other day who's a road engineer here in Alaska. Oh, yeah. And he was saying, uh, what, he has construction crews or something that will take it way up into remote Alaska for infrastructure projects that don't have cell service. And these people used to be like on little handheld sat phones that take like five minutes to send a message out. So now they bring, uh, you know, Starlink up and they're blown away by the capability of it. Yeah, I think um, it's great. Because they can, like, actually browse on the internet. Yeah. You know, but for people working from a van who want to, like, you know, maintain a 9-to-5 job, host Zoom calls. Be near mountains and trees. and Probably not going to be your solution. Yeah, Yeah, that's a good statement to add because there's definitely use cases. And, like, if you're a van lifer who, like, thrives in the desert and you literally plan on being in the desert all the time, like, it's probably great for you. Mm -hmm. That's a very small use case. Yeah, I think I'm in an expats in El Salvador Facebook group and a fair number of people there have it. But that's because, like, internet that you can purchase in El Salvador is pretty spotty. There's one company that's bringing cable internet that seems to be doing pretty well. But otherwise, it's, like you know, it's basically cell signal booster Wi-Fi packages as far as I can tell. But that's also most of the expats have nice houses that are on top of hills. Um, and mm. most of them are kind of on hills overlooking the ocean. So I would imagine mm. they're, that, you know, like the sort the place that peop, that the Western, the, the, the gringos are buying places in El Salvador probably are places that like physically are well suited. And they're not moving all the time. So they're not running into the problem that we're running into where it's like, you have to set it up every day and it might work great in this spot, but then you go a couple miles down the road and now the mountains have popped up and you're in a ravine and it's useless again. Sure. Sure. All right. Next hot take. Uh, I realized here in Alaska that the mosquitoes aren't actually all that bad. (laughs) I'm just chilling outside in shorts and t-shirts and I'm generally fine. I mean, I grew up in Wisconsin and I canoed all through northern Minnesota and Canada. And I have seen swarms of mosquitoes. And yeah, everybody says mosquitoes are terrible in Alaska. You know, you just choke on them. Like they chase the reindeer. Yeah, Colby, it's state bird of Alaska. I said that for weeks before we got here. That was Colby's favorite saying for like a month before he got to Alaska. State bird of Alaska is a mosquito. (laughs) And honestly, I think it's uh, pretty pretty location-based. Yeah. Like we've had a couple campsites that they're pretty bad. I mean, it's like mossy and dense in there. That's anywhere but that's mossy and dense. Most of the places in Alaska that we've been, they've been just super bearable. Mm-hmm. You know, super bearable to non-existent. You know, if you get a day that's 
hot and sunny or windy or mm -hmm. you're in a big open clearing like there just aren't mosquitoes around at all and maybe that'll change when you go into the interior but the hot take was they're not that bad in alaska <laughs> i agree i'm curious well actually the the worst they were for us was in the yukon on the drive up here actually and then we just i don't know if we're lucky but i mean it's been really moist it rained all of July, so I would expect them to be horrible. So I don't know if we got lucky or we're choosing the right campsites. But yeah, what was your experience, Kayla? Yeah, I guess I'm realizing, you know, it's funny because I'm so used to talking to you guys that I keep saying when I went up to Alaska and really, again, I was mostly in the Yukon and the Northwest Territories. Yeah. I spent like three days in Alaska. Yeah, I didn't spend much time in Alaska. I went to... Um, Skeins and Hagway, Haynes and Skagway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I mean, they were at their worst kind of around Whitehorse, I think, for me. Once I got north yes. of Dawson City, yeah. I was far enough north that they weren't they weren't bad while I was there. But again, I was there in June. Um, I, you know, supposedly they get a lot worse. But no, I mean, I was eaten alive and absolutely terrorized by them around Whitehorse. Oh um, yeah, it was it was. Yeah. Really that. miserable. Um, we had a, a a mechanical problem with um, my back door not wanting to latch for several days, and we were just, I mean, a like trying to get it, trying to work on it while the mosquitoes were eating us. There's, I've got YouTube videos of myself and my my friend Jason. Like he was working on the door, and I I'm just standing behind him, like slapping mosquitoes off of him, and it was awful because that was the only way we could get work done and then we had so many mosquitoes inside the van that we vacuumed them up was like the most oh. effective way oh to get rid God. of them so um yeah again that was the yukon not alaska but um yeah my experience was not chill <laughs> i will i did realize i will add we do have a bug wall and it was one of the additions um, we made to our van for alaska yes so we are able to like leave our door open during the day and not have our yeah. van just get Filled. infested especially at night i feel like if you have lights on they would be attracted to like coming yeah. in your van and congregating yes and they're just what attracted to heat and like when you exhale CO2, they're, yeah yeah they're they're attracted to that so the uh, the bug wall does a good job keeping them out during the day that's true and then we just you know clap a couple that are couple. that make their way into the van that's not too bad yeah no. So that was my last one. Colby, we're winding down. What is your cool. last hot take? Okay, fun. I forgot about this one. Full showers in your camper van build out just become storage spaces. <laughs> um, I actually started reaching out to people on Instagram who have full showers, inquiring <laughs> if they use their full shower because even our pop-up shower is a storage space now. And so I started reaching out to people and they all say, if I was to do this again, I would not do a full shower. You lose space and then you just put so much stuff in it eventually that you can't shower in it without making a huge ordeal. So I'm telling you, the best thing to do in a van build is to have a shower head that you can shove out a window or a door and that will be your favorite shower. Um, our our pop-up shower in a bench is great in the winter, but now in the summer, now that we just shower outside, it's full of Juniper's dog food. And I can only imagine what a full standing shower would, would be full of if we had it. Yeah, I mean, no, I, 
I don't miss the shower. Um, I miss water storage, um, but I don't mind my outdoor shower setups. I'm very happy with with them. Uh, I've had a couple different ones throughout my time, and I like them. You know, the only the only hesitation I have with them is you know how much water they take up, which wouldn't be any better with a shower. And I, whenever I look at other van setups, whether it's a convertible bed or the shower or anything that takes up more storage space. I, as someone who lives alone in my van, just looks at them and I don't know how people fit everything they own in a van with a partner with a shower or with a convertible bed or heaven forbid with both. I'm just like, I don't know. I I feel like we're already so short on storage space. I need the storage space more badly than I need a fancy indoor shower setup. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's not to say that you should totally forgo the shower just because that's what you end up using it for. Just realize that you, whatever you're, if you're using it as storage, you're not going to be using it like you would in a house where you shower every day, maybe twice a day. And every time you you finish a workout or get, get dirty working outside, you know, if it's that much more work to actually Mm -hmm. use, you're probably going to be using it once, maybe twice a week. Uh, and again, if you have that ability to just snake your shower hose outside and shower, the best. Uh, that's, that's the best. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like a couple times we've talked about the importance of not making extra steps for yourselves in, in van life. Cause you already have extra steps. Mm-hmm. And for us, <laughs> we always shower when we get back from a run, yep. when we're already outside yeah. and we want to clean off before we come inside yeah typically yeah. one of us shoves the, the hose out the window and we're like shower so it's just <laughs> you're not allowed in shower outside yeah. yeah yeah i mean i've been very happy with my bucket showers i like i have no complaints okay. i'm yeah. perfectly happy Simple. with them yeah Simple. yeah um i do sometimes wish i had like a shower curtain set up or something mm-hmm. my last bucket shower i was on the side of a road um overlooking a gorgeous waterfall in chiapas mexico and, you know, I hadn't seen a car come by in an hour or two, but I was just like, eh, it would kind of suck if if someone did happen to drive by right yeah. now as I'm doing this. And, you know, I have taken my, my bucket showers when I'm, you know, I just put my bikini on or, you know, here in yeah. Latin America, I'm usually coming back from surfing anyway. But, you know, sometimes you want to, like, get in there a little bit more and the privacy would be yeah. would be nice. But that could be solved with with other things other than just showering inside my van. Sure. Kayla, what's the very last hot take we have today? Um, you're never going to use your rooftop deck. <laughs> um, I desperately wanted a rooftop deck for a while because of like cute photos on Instagram. And then I lived in my van for a while and planned it out and was getting ready to build one. And then just realized that anytime I would use it, it either is too hot and sunny up there or too buggy, or I um, I want the back support um, so that I can lounge more comfortably. And then I would need something that was like convertible and I would want to bring cushions up there and I want to bring wine up there. And then I'm like climbing up and down off my roof, which doesn't have guardrails to like bring up cushions and wine. And like, no way, there's no way I would ever do it. Like maybe like once a year on like a first date or like a, an anniversary or something, oh. but like, no. And 90% of the time that I'm outside, I want to be spending time with my dogs and my dogs can't get up there. So like, why am I going to go sit on my roof and I'm going to leave my dogs behind? No way. Well, first of all, I feel personally attacked because we have this, <laughs> we planned our whole yeah, like, roof layout 
uh, around leaving room for the rooftop deck. Uh-huh. Yeah. And we've, we have used it. I've been happy when we have been able to use it. They're typically in scenic overlook parking lots when you want to get yeah. like up above mm-hmm. other vehicles. But yeah, in the, I mean, we're coming up on a year we've been in Rover. How many times? Do you think and we've probably it? been up on the roof to like, enjoy. So, it. so we get up on the roof all the time to clean the solar panels. Oh yeah. But that doesn't necessarily require a deck, just a mm-hmm. ladder. The, the times where we've actually utilized the deck as a deck to like hang out and chill, maybe 10 or 12 times in the last year. Okay. That's crazy. And, and frankly, in Alaska, I don't think we've done it once yet actually, in the first like six weeks here And it, that's probably because of Juniper. I didn't think about that ever. Yeah. That was like subconsciously we like knew we couldn't get up there with her. Yeah. Yeah. We're just always eating inside or, or we're parked somewhere that, that has a view. So we just walk outside to mm-hmm. the you know, to the ocean or whatever. Yeah. I feel like what I would say is it's not that you're never going to use it. You won't use it as much as you like romanticize yourself using it. Mm -hmm. So don't go crazy trying to make it happen if it's not happening. (laughs) Yeah. So when you see all these epic uh, rooftop deck photos on Instagram and social media, that's probably not what all of van life is going to be like Mm -hmm. yeah i would probably use one just for cute social media photos like pretty frequently if but then (laughs) god then i'm like as a solo person like okay i guess what i'm doing is i'm like flying the drone up leaving it hovering setting it up so that i have the 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 photo on a timer (laughs) like nope i'm not doing that i'm not doing it i i fly my drone way less than i thought because i'm constantly forgetting to have it charged and then like i'm driving through like a super scenic place and i'm like oh it'd be cool to like get the drone out and get some footage and then it's not charged and i'm like well okay i guess i just keep driving so that's my my final bonus hot take is you're not going to use your drone as much as you think because you're going to (laughs) forget to charge it well the, the, the last time i flew flew our drone i flew it straight into a, a, a rock wall so like oh, drone is now gone bummer <laughs> like full speed in sport mode thought i was above the ridge apparently i was like a and, full hundred feet below oh, the ridge. i will add that i have given him rules not to enter sport mode <laughs> on anything and he was in sport mode well <laughs> Yep. Well, that, number two. that checks out. Yep. <laughs> Everyone now yeah. remembers Eric is <laughs> final hot take. Eric's not allowed in sport mode. <laughs> it's actually funny because the first thing I did when we got here is buy um, extra tufts, but like sport mode extra tufts. And, so, and I wear them every day and I'm pretty safe in them. Yeah. Sport mode is okay for you, but not for me. But not yeah. for Eric. That makes hot sense. Take hot take. What a great one to end on. <laughs> All yeah. right. Yeah, what a great episode. I really enjoyed all these hot takes. We uh, really touched on a lot of different uh, van life adjacent topics, which I feel yeah. like sometimes we only get to dive into into one. Yeah. So I like this format. I think we should stick it, uh, keep it around Yeah. even after Kayla leaves us. No. No. Yeah, we're getting all these last episodes in with Kayla before she leaves. Yeah. But thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. We will get this podcast out Monday morning. I promise. I apologize for <laughs> the the editing job. The last what two weeks being a little late and then uploading the wrong uh, MP3 file. But happy Monday morning, everyone. <laughs> we will catch you next week. We love our All editor. Right. Yay, editor! It's bye. bye, everyone.
Wrong. Pause. Norbert, for fuck's sake. Um. <laughs> yeah, can't clean. Definitely keep that in. 